Welcome to the Lights, Camera, Action Entertainment Reviews Podcast. Let's track this from the beginning. We start with something pure. Something exciting. Then... Deal with something new. Shit. Told you. Okay so far? You like it? I'm feeling it. Yeah. Why stop there? Our Marvel Cinematic Universe Retrospective comes to an end. This is it. This is the path I started us on. On this episode, we will be discussing and reviewing Marvel's Phase 3 Part 2. Our very strength invites challenge. Challenge incites conflict. This episode will contain spoilers. Conflict breeds catastrophe. The thing isn't beautiful. Because it lasts. I am inevitable. And I am Iron Man. What a sweet-ass run it's been. Epic forces of darkness and light. What a world. Universe, now. And now, here are your hosts for this retrospective. Mike Winkler, Alistair Englehart, Daniel English, and Jeremy Larson. And welcome back to the Lights, Camera, Action, Entertainment Reviews podcast. We are returning with the Marvel Cinematic Universe Phase 3, Part 2. I am here with Jeremy Larson, Dan English, welcome back to the show, Woo-hoo. and Alistair Engelhart. Hey, I want to thank our uh, audience on Facebook right now. Uh, Jeremy and I will be keeping a close, full, uh, watchful eye on the feed. Um, be sure to ask some questions, some comments. We'll bring them up on the show to keep you guys in tune and uh, make you a part of the show. So, guys... Um, the final, how many movies of Phase 2 do we have left here? Four. The final four. Yeah, four. We got Infinity War, Captain Marvel, Endgame, Far From Home. What well, is an interesting batch of four. Some of the best four movies of the Marvel Universe, to say the least. <laughs> Except for one. Well, they can't all be perfect, right? Yeah, Infinity War is <laughs> terrible. Yeah, right. damn Infinity War. <laughs> <laughs> Total trash. <laughs> hey, Dan. Garbage. Are you trying to light people's candle? <laughs> this is, this is in memoriam. This is in memoriam for Tony Stark. And all that, that were lost. Steve Rogers. <laughs> oh. Vision. Nah, I don't really care about that. Nah, yeah, Vision's coming back in WandaVision. It's all good now. <laughs> we'll see him again. 
Although I did. Gosh. Jesus. Ooh, I hear echo. Vision was just an AI given a body, right? <laughs> That's true. He's not. He, we technically count him more in the loss room as much as the other two. But. He's ju he's just like if we lost R two D two. Yeah, what's the big just deal? a bunch of programming. He's just a droid. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we all know in Rise of Skywalker, Abrams was too afraid to wipe out three PO's memory because it was going to be too hard for the fans to handle. Hey, I'm sorry. I think we, we didn't do it in Clone that. Wars either. <laughs> <laughs> they the didn't what? wipe. They didn't wipe out R two D 2s memory in Clone Wars either. That's true. Mm. But that I really liked because it was Anakin was too too attached to him because mm -hmm. he's attached to everything and everyone in that show. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> so before we jump into Infinity War, let's talk a little bit about some of the big announcements that have come through the uh, the Disney mm. announcements over the last week or so. We got some big trailers some big Marvel announcements, and there's some interesting stuff coming down the pipeline. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's actually, I'm going to pull Yeah, up. remind me what they are. <laughs> well, we got the uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We have Loki, uh, WandaVision. Um, what if? We, what if? We haven't heard much on the movies. I mean, yeah, we're still I'm waiting curious. Black Widow, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Shang-Chi. Yeah, Shang, the Eternals. Shang-Chi? Shang I'm not sure how to say it. Yeah, I don't know too much about that one. Do you guys Marble? know much about that? No. Don't know much. Oh, oh you're not green no anymore. anymore. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Super excited about Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Oh, yes. I am so looking forward to that one. Yeah. Yes. Oh, think about this. The big Spider-Man announcements. Look at all these uh, casting rumors that are actually oh, starting to come man. to fruition. Yeah. I love the idea of all three Spider-Mans coming back. So <laughs> it's like I heard that announcement. I'm like, yes, this uh, is great. It'll be great because it'll finally reveal Andrew Garfield as the best Spider-Man when they're what? all. What? You, you don't get... think that? <laughs> you don't think that? You're just trying to make me mad. He's the worst. You're no. the worst. Oh we, man, we've had, we've had this discussion before. I think people just need to see them next to each other. It'll be an yeah. easier contrast. Well, okay. We'll Alistair, see. you will see the light. Gosh. You know, every time I come to a podcast, everybody gets wrong about everything. What's going yeah. on with here's, that? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. When I, Tom Holland, perfect all around. I, I think that Andrew Garfield has a better Spider-Man than Tobey Maguire does. Absolutely. Hmm. Oh God! Are you what? kidding me? No, have no. They, have they talked about including Andrew Miles Garfield? In this is one? not even a spider. <laughs> wow! Oh right, wow. he's just so off from what and... I imagine Spider-Man to be. Can, can we all agree <laughs> that Tobey Maguire was too old to play Peter Parker? No, I not no. Not, in the, not not in the Spider Verse, not in the multiverse. Well, and look at all the different ages yeah. and and people and species, cartoons playing Spider-Man. How old was he <laughs> in the first Spider-Man? Um, I, I guess in the first Spider-Man he didn't look too bad. Okay, so he was. <laughs> but I mean, he didn't look like a high school kid. No, he, he was twenty-five. Right. He, he, he was yeah, twenty-five. Yeah. But Tom Holland's twenty-four right now. But Tom Holland looks younger though. He does. He yeah, yeah he has fair. a baby face. He sells it better. Andrew than Garfield does. is thirty-seven. Are you serious? Wow. That's what it says. He was born See, in 1983. To, to me, that just reiterates the, t the acting talent <laughs> that he could be so old and, and just feel what so is young. with you? <laughs> Wait a minute. We, 
wait a minute. So, so Andrew Garfield was playing Peter Parker in high school older than older Toby than Toby Maguire. Yes. Wow. I liked Toby Maguire. I thought he was a little bit awkward. He was squishy. I don't know. I liked it. He was the first Spider Man. Squishy. 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 Why would you use well, that just... <laughs> describing words? I don't mean tactily squishy. I mean he was like a softy. He was I... a okay. Softy soft is better. Yeah. Squishy just. Listen, wow. don't wow. police my language here. That's the it's sticky moment of this episode. <laughs> I we're gonna get to it. No, I when I was watching. Um, far from home when he was like sir i can help i'm really strong and i'm sticky i thought i was gonna like that one. Oh my god what yeah gosh i'm excited to hear what y'all thought of the grand reveal at the at the very end of i guess at post credits of spider-man mm-hmm. far from home like the second post credits film yeah yeah yeah. The thing is, I totally yeah. like with the announcement for Spider-Man Three. Though I, I think they're easily going to get around that hiccup of information. Oh, sure, because there'll be he there'll be more than else. two. There'll be more than three. You know, oh, three Spider-Mans coming in. Out. It'll be it a smoke that. screen. Total smoke screen. That's a great point, yeah. Jeremy. Yeah, but guess what? Though we get Alfred Molina back as Doc Ock again, which that'll be fun. I was shocked by that one, but that's awesome. I'm so excited because so well. I loved him as Doc Ock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be okay then, uh, not seeing uh, Kristen Dunst in another movie, but of well, course. Well, unfortunately, uh, Emma Stone and Kirsten Dunst, I guess, are both coming back as well. We also are getting. Well, for for Jeremy, anyway. I mean, he, he it's unfortunate for him. But um, we're also getting. Uh, uh, who else? Oh, we're getting Charlie Cox's Daredevil in the movie as well, and they're saying it may yes. launch him into his own Daredevil movie. Huh. I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. Who's Charlie Cox? The, have you ever seen the Netflix Daredevil mm-hmm. series? Oh, that's him? Yeah. Yep. Oh, he's great. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. I would, honestly, they should bring all those people in. I love oh, Jessica Jones. I loved Iron yeah. Fist. Iron Fist kind of fell flat by the end of it, but I love the start. I like the uh, the first Punisher. five minutes. You mean? Punisher was pretty good. Punisher felt real. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, John Berthnall, he plays the him to perfection. Yeah, I liked him too. You know mm-hmm. what I just realized? Who's the the guy who plays his uh, Billy in Punisher? What's that actor's um, name? I think you had just shared this with me last week, Mike. I remember you pulling his name out, but I forget. I, I'm drawing a huge, huge blank. Oh, the the Black Adam. Brian Wright pointed out mm-hmm. Black Adam. Yeah, yeah, Black Adam. That's right. By The Rock. Yeah, I'm. I'm interested to see how he's going to pull that off. Mm-hmm. Ben Barnes played Billy in The Punisher. You know ben what Barnes, else ben I Barnes. just saw okay. that I I hadn't realized that he had been in, which was so funny, was Prince Caspian in the Voyage of the Dawn. Treader. Oh, that's who Ben Barnes is. <laughs> Are you serious? I thought that was hilarious. It's just a completely different genre. Ben uh, Barnes, he's in Leftovers, too. (laughs) Oh, we're going full circle back to Liv Tyler. Yeah, right? (laughs) But I'm I'm curious, what do you all think, like... Oh, no, I'm sorry. It's not Leftovers, it's Westworld. After Marvel pushes into this multiverse concept, what's left after that to continue pushing up the hype? 
good question because we know the Avengers themselves are going to be really hard to top what they've already done. Yeah. That's a good, good point. It's interesting. I find myself wondering what will draw me to them moving forward. The appeal? Yeah. I'm, mm-hmm. Part of it has been the establishing of these decades-long characters. I don't think I'm going to have the emotional desire to connect to a Falcon. whole new set of characters. Yeah. That's how I felt, too. Because I, I think after Endgame... I got to the point where I kept looking at like what was left. You know, you had yeah. Spider-Man, you had Guardians, you got Thor, which is great. But the time's going to come when Thor's going to end. Yeah. You know, and Guardians is going to come then after Volume Three. They've confirmed. Um, so yeah, it gets to the point now where like these obscure ones like Shang Chi and the Eternals are they going to be able to hold this Marvel universe together like the Iron Man and Captain America has? Yeah. Well, and if it hasn't already, it's going to inevitably become a cash cow. And if they don't have teams of people who are passionate and talented actors who are passionate they're just going to be kicking out i mean i feel like already with what's been announced that the production schedules are going to be kind of insane um and it'll be kind of like the sequel to dumb and dumber effect where dumb and dumber was a fantastic movie amazing Mm -hmm. it's one of my favorites Uh, comedy classic dumb and dumber 2 once they reconstructed the original cast it turns out it seems that they didn't actually understand what was so amazing about that movie um and it was just a little bit shallow and empty and i'm i'm worried that the same thing will happen to the marvel universe and i hate to say it but i almost already sense it in spider-man far from home not that i didn't like it i really enjoyed the movie Mm. but i just felt like certain Mm. moments were a little bit shallower like the Mm. actors didn't have time to develop the deeper things of the series that I've been so attached to. And it just felt like more and more and more of the comedy um, right. with the exception of the main relationship. But I don't know. It's yeah. I wonder too, if, 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 if far from home had been pre somehow, I'm sure they would have changed the storyline a bit, but if it had been pre infinity war and Endgame earlier on in phase three, I wonder because it, it I, I felt the same way that it, it, it was still a really good movie and I enjoyed watching it, but it did feel a little bit flat after Endgame. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think it was weird. The, the reason that it comes down to it is that we've already hit the end point for the initial and um, we're trying to adapt to a new setting now. Sure. Because now we're dropping a bunch of huge uh, names from the script entirely, mm-hmm. and we're moving on to something new. So this transition that they're making right now is going to be absolutely crucial to keep mm-hmm. people's attention. Mm-hmm. And with these new projects that are coming in, they're going to have to create not the same magic. It's just, it's got to be... a. Ri- I can't say original either because everything's yeah. a copy of something. But um, yeah, is if they keep the attention and they keep building from that point, mm-hmm. that that's gonna be that's gonna be key. Yeah, I, I always thought it was strange that um, that end or that Spider-Man ended Phase Three because Endgame was just the perfect way to end Phase Three because Phase Three really was the end of the Marvel universe cinematic universe as we knew it. Mm -hmm. And I, 
I, I liked some of the elements in Spider-Man with, with, with him trying to uh, cope with Tony's death. But you're right, though. It, it felt weird. It didn't feel like that that was the appropriate movie to close the whole thing out. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, we couldn't have had it happen before Endgame because Spider-Man disappeared in Infinity War. But um, it, it was just strange. And I almost think that maybe Phase 4 should have started with, with this instead of being the end of Phase 3. Sure. I mean, that's just kind of nomenclature, though, too. Mm-hmm. But I, I, yeah, maybe, I mean, maybe we should start with Infinity War and work our way to Spider-Man. Yeah, um, we'll get into some of the, into the subjects. Yeah. But um, Infinity War, I, I got to say, um, as much as Endgame is the big closure and it's this big epic finale, part of me has always been a little bit more partial to Infinity War because the ending was just so jaw-dropping. And I remember leaving the theater and I just was like, wow, they ended a Marvel movie this way. Yeah. <laughs> it was ballsy. It's like, right. The, th- the thing yeah. is, looking back at it, it's the only way they could have made it work is to have that, the, the biggest crushing blow that we've ever seen in the universe. Right. And getting rid of a bunch of different characters in one snap. Yeah, but they didn't. I remember, I remember in the theater, I was shocked. Like it, it dropped my jaw. Mm-hmm. And then um, a coworker was talking about it the following week. And she was like, none of it's going to stick, obviously. Right. And I was like, oh yeah, of course it's not. And so that, that was, that was disappointing because it wasn't really all that, you know, out there or brave. They all came back, you know? And so it, I just, I don't know. It just felt at the end of the day, retrospectively, that the real deaths that are courageous in media are the ones that stick. When you, you know, spoilers for Harry Potter, Game of Thrones coming up, Dumbledore, mm-hmm. Ned Stark, um, any show where you lose someone and you actually lose them, mm-hmm. I think is much more courageous and I don't know. Weighty. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Which is why the losses we suffered in end game. Right. I was much more like those feel final. Those were powerful. Yeah. 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 Like Tony and, yeah. Well, see, that was that was like Rise of Skywalker's biggest problem is that there was no consequences at the end of that film, and that's the one glaring thing about Rise of Skywalker that bothers me is because when it looked like they killed Chewbacca off, mm-hmm. I felt like that was a moment to really feel like this was final, that there yeah. was consequences, and I they, agree. they they retconned that. Then they retconned C three PO losing his memory just for him to get it back at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just moments like that where um, with Infinity War. We, you know, Spider-Man disappeared and, and, and Black Panther disappeared and all that. We knew those people were going to come back because we knew there was going to be more movies. At the very least, though, they did have to work for it. True. And and I don't know if this is more praise to Infinity War or Endgame, but the path they took was not one that I expected. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't do any kind of reading or trailer watching, so the fact that it became a time heist, essentially, I just didn't see it coming. Um, no. 
And I really enjoyed the first scene going to black and then saying five years later. That was a nice touch. Um, I found from, from that point to the end, I had no idea what to expect. Mm. And that really made it enjoyable to watch because I'm like, wait, what, what is even going to happen here? Sure. Mm. Well, the key thing that Marvel did right with this movie too, is that they didn't follow the source material to the T they, mm-hmm. they were willing to divert and they were willing to tell a story that wasn't predictable. And we didn't know that was coming. And, and that's where Marvel does these movies, right? Is that they follow the source material to a degree but they're not afraid to divert and do things differently to make the audience not know or to, to feel like they don't know every little thing that's coming and that they can throw a, uh, um, a huge surprise in there to make people feel like, okay, I've read the comics and this didn't happen. Now you might piss off some comic fans saying you diverted because some people take that really seriously. And I mean, I can understand that, but you got to applaud that they're able to do that and be able to create something that's not predictable. Hmm. Uh, guys, I want to pause you for a second because I believe we made a crucial error in how many movies we're talking about tonight. What did we do? We forgot Ant-Man and the Wasp. No, we didn't, um, did we? I don't think we did Ant-Man and the Wasp I last time. You know. No, I know. Oh, did we not list it earlier? We didn't list it. We I, I listed Infinity War, oh, Captain Marvel... Endgame and then Far From Home. As a formality, we can list it. Does it deserve any more lip service than that? Yeah, oh, did you I not mean, like it's, it very not, much? it's not something that's overly notable, but I guess we have to at least <laughs> discuss kidding. it briefly, I guess we could say. Um, Sorry, I just wanted to interject So is, is that like your movement to wrap up Infinity War? No, it is not. <laughs> I'm, I'm, there's plenty more to talk about in Infinity War. Uh, All right, well, let's go guys, back. Were and, you guys surprised by Loki's death? We forgot to list him amongst the dead. I oh yeah, I was. I felt like his death was. It was okay. It it kind of hurt for the fact that it was short. It was very mm. short. Yeah, he deserved something a little better than what he got. I believe he deserved better. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like Loki had been betrayer, killed off. You know, he was killed off in Thor when he mm. fell off into the ether of space. He was killed off in um, Thor 2 in kind of like, not killed off, but they were like, he's a villain and kind of twisted you there. Mm-hmm. And so there were just so many times where I think the brevity of the death stood out to all the fanfare around all the other you know this is going to get switched he just kind of died and mm-hmm. he died nobly and i really i thought that it was really awesome for loki to finally get that chance Some redemption yeah like just and that's what's so powerful about the deaths in these is they are the purest form of self-sacrifice that the Marvel Universe has ever seen. Because these, you know, relatively immortal beings have faced shocking odds. But at the end of the day, they've always pulled through somehow. Mm-hmm. And just to have Loki be crushed like that was like, wow. That like gives it, you a, a sense of, of um, uh, Thanos's 
Might. Power. Yeah, well, yeah, it was between after that and Hulk. Fist fought with Hulk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was Gosh, crazy. That was, when I, that was when I knew how powerful being he was, and that yeah. was even without all, all of the, the Infinity. Well, moments. so I had heard, it was funny because I forget who, I knew there was a big spoiler for mm. Infinity War, and I heard the spoiler was a death. Huh. And I was like, oh, okay. So after Loki died, I thought, wow, that's the death. Yeah, little did I know the movie unfolds into, you know, death Multiple. everywhere. But <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, it'll be nice to see Loki's return in that, in that series. And I'm going to be very yeah. curious to see how they're going to make that come full circle with everything. Like, is, is he somehow going to be able to get back into Thor's you know, the universe we know Thor in now. See, I, don't know. I think I think it's going to be um I think it's gonna start back in twenty twelve oh, when he got away right, in, he got in the Endgame stone. And he yeah. got he got the cube and he was able to get away. I think it'll yeah. start from that point on. That's great. Which Jerry. is a completely new timeline. Yeah. In, yeah. So yeah. The, there's the possibility of uh new timeline possible cameos from the actors and actors boy nobody before. has so. to stay dead now with split timelines and right multiverse yeah. can explain anything disney <laughs> can make as much money as they want the there problem, is an alternate tony stark the problem with <laughs> the multiverse is that it can get incredibly stale when you see these characters over and over again yep yep and it, they're gonna work i don't know where into it's a gonna, corner yeah. Mm-hmm. That with that whole thing would reek of desperation in Marvels. Yeah, but that's um, just it, it, one corner in one universe. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. Did, did you know you get, I did you guys tangent. see the trailer? No, go ahead. Did you guys see the trailer for Loki? No. I did not. I haven't seen it. Okay, uh you're gonna be in for a little bit of a surprise because there's a scene where he's uh locked up in an elevator. And you're going to recognize maybe the person next to him, who the actor is. And I will tell you that it's Owen Wilson. Hmm. Wow. With short black hair and a, and, and, and a, like a mustache. Gosh, my lack of pop, pop culture education. Owen Wilson is, is the blonde itself. guy from Wedding Crashers, Al. Wow. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. Wow. That, oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. I have not seen him in a while. Hey, also one of my underrated favorites, You, Me, and Dupree. Oh, I hate that movie. You don't like that movie? I, I, I hate it. You know why? Uh-oh. Because I get super stressed out when it goes, everything that could go wrong does go wrong. <laughs> and I get even more stressed out when characters I believe to be behaving rationally are yeah. treated poorly and thought as irrational by everyone. And the husband in that movie, I just can't hate his reaction yeah, and his I behavior and everybody's turning against him and i'm like i hate this movie yeah, it's unwarranted his <laughs> way he's treated i i agree but i i get the comedic flair i just it's I it's couldn't. just yeah i yeah the, the character and how they're a lot of movies are guilty of that and that that kind of thing does bother me too to a degree in some movies too mm-hmm. yeah but um 
Okay, so I guess we should go back to Ant-Man and the Wasp. I guess it deserves a little bit of discussion. Um, after Infinity. It, it was good. Because yeah. it, explains, it explains where Ant-Man was and why he wasn't in the whole battle with Thanos. Yeah. And everything. How about we all describe that movie in one word and then we can be done. <laughs> Just kidding. I, I don't know if I could find a word. I mean, there's Rug. certain parts of it I like. I mean, I don't want to sit here and bash it like I'll bash Incredible Hulk. Yeah, I. But. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah, I mean, it's all right. I did like Evangeline Lilly. I, I, I always, I think she's a good. Do actor. you not like Paul Rudd? Let's scratch at the surface here, Al. What do you dislike uh -oh. so much about this movie? Uh -oh. <laughs> Alistair is just jealous that Paul Rudd got cast as Ant Man and he didn't. Like he. <laughs> <laughs> You know who I actually really enjoy in the movie is Michael Pena. I, I really like yeah. Louis, oh, Louis's yeah. character. My dad I, likes him too. He's underrated. Yeah, he's, I, I think he, uh, I actually like his humor even more than Paul Rudd's humor. Yeah. But Paul Rudd does get me laughing sometimes too. His is just mm -hmm. a little drier. <laughs> I think, yeah. I think what I liked about it as a sequel is it was still very connected to the universe it continued Ant-Man tropes that existed in the first, but still had a diverse uh, plot. Like, it was different. Mm. I thought the villain was okay. Um, yeah, mediocre. The villain was deeper than the first movie's villain. True. Sure, but the first movie was never about plot. The first movie was about unique and amazing effects mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i loved that about it and i i think my favorite part about it was the post-credit scene and how they connected it to mm. the whole yeah. canon because the whole time you're kind of mm -hmm. wondering like what's going on how can mm -hmm. this potentially world-ending event be happening and he's just not a part of it but honestly, mm -hmm. most of Infinity War happened off planet, and so mm -hmm. off world or whatever. So, hmm. I forget. Did Ant Man and the Wasp come out between the two? It did. It came out mm -hmm. after Infinity War. Yeah. yeah. Which is why you're watching and you're kind of like, "What? What's going on?" And then yeah. in the then end, the end scene, credit scene, the snapping, and you're like, "Oh, cool." Hmm. I, I think the reason why. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> I think the reason why to a lot of people Ant-Man and the Wasp doesn't work is because it came off the end of Infinity War. And Ant-Man and the Wasp has a lot of humor. And I think it was hard for a lot of us to get involved in like the humor when we know what just happened in the previous Marvel movie. The thing is, I think that the the two movies in between Infinity War and Endgame fell flat because we were waiting for Endgame. We didn't want to see what was in between. We wanted to see what was coming next. So these two movies were just, they were fillers. Yeah. In a way, yeah, you're right. I, I don't know. I agree. I'm not here to say that Captain Marvel or, or Ant-Man and the Wasp were on par. But keep in mind... Ant-Man and the Wasp shouldn't be compared to Infinity War and Endgame. It should be compared to Iron Man 2, Thor 2, Winter Soldier. That's fair. And in that, or Guardians 2. And in that sense, I thought it held up pretty well. And, and my one criticism, and I think this is kind of what you guys are getting at, is 
it was too insular from the canon. We had become accustomed to movies that were much more interactive with the large arches. Mm. And this one was just insulated from all that and shockingly large events at that. But, but I think part of that was because those movies had reached such a complex, mature, and even dark place that Ant-Man and the Wasp needed to catch up. Um, I I really liked Captain Marvel though. I had a lot of fun I with too. that one. Yeah, I liked Captain Marvel. I was surprised. I I I, I remember the the first however many probably about forty five minutes. I actually wasn't really digging it um, until our paradigm for who was the villain and who was the the good guys <laughs> flipped on itself. Yeah. And then I mm-hmm. from there on out, I really enjoyed the rest of the movie. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed. Uh, I like Ben Mendelsohn. Yeah. Um, and I enjoyed just the 90s feel a lot more than I thought I would. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was kind of funny to introspect and be like, oh, wow, Blockbuster, Radio Shack, these are markers of an era that's done and that's like not around or a thing anymore. Mm-hmm. I liked the music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with yeah. you, with you, Al. Uh, that the first 30 or 40 minutes of, of Captain Marvel, my biggest issue with it was the movie kind of felt like a jumbled mess at the beginning. It just felt mm. like they were trying to tell too much in a very short amount of time. Mm. Um, I mean, once the movie gets going and she gets, and she gets to Earth and starts you know, fraternizing with, with Sam Jackson and, and, and this and that, it, it starts to work. And uh, it gets better as it goes along. By the time I got to the end of it, I was like, okay. It had a strong second and third act. The first act for me was a little messy. But I forgave it because, again, it's an origin story movie, and sometimes origin story movies do suffer from that uh, for almost any origin story. A lot of them will. Um, But you guys know, and I know you guys have heard the criticisms. Everybody criticizes Brie Larson. What are your guys' feelings on her? I I liked uh, her. I haven't seen her in any other films to have a comparison, but I I did like – I felt like she – She's very spunky. And I don't know Captain Marvel's character from the comic books either to have a reference point there either. So, yeah, it'd, it'd be hard for me to, to judge. I, I enjoyed the, as a standalone movie, from my experience, I, I enjoyed how she played yeah. Captain Marvel. The first movie I saw her in, I can't remember the title of it, but she played a woman who had been kidnapped by a guy and... Um, had a son with the guy or something like that room Room. yeah the room the room Mm -hmm. and and she did great it was the first time i had seen her and she played someone in such a complex and dark situation really well um i was excited to see her in in miss marvel or captain marvel and I don't know. Like I said, I I don't think the movie was particularly complex because of what you compare it to in phase mm-hmm. three. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it was a pretty unique way to tell the story. And I didn't see the twist coming necessarily. Um, I think where her character, it's interesting. I'm, I'm just thinking about it now. All the other characters with the exception of maybe Bucky, but I know, I know we've talked about this with Bucky, are either v- comical or extremely noble. 
Like, I think of Thor 1 and 2, and he's very noble there, and then he starts to become a bit more comical. Captain America is very noble, and uh, he doesn't crack too many jokes, but he's still a lot of fun to watch. Right. Um, she's not really either of those. That's not really the, a defining characteristic, either of those, for her personality. You, don't, you wouldn't consider her noble? No, I think she's a little bit too sarcastic for me for that. That was um, one of the biggest criticisms about her. I, but I mean, mm. I, I mean, I mean, her actions are noble. I just, in her character and the way she carries herself, I don't, mm. I, don't I don't think of her in the same vein. She was, she was hard to pinpoint personality-wise in the entire movie. Mm-hmm. I can agree with that. Like it, I don't know why, but the, she held such a stance that I wasn't sure what kind of depth she was trying to portray throughout the film. Mm. And, and that could just be me not noticing it, but I felt, I felt like the acting by Brie Larson was bland for me. I still, I mean, I still enjoyed the movie. I, I, I do think that that she's very different for me from the other heroes. I, I can't mm-hmm. think of an equivalent, um, like a, another character that seems just like her within the MCU. Um, yeah. For that reason, I really enjoyed, especially when she when she turned up in, in Endgame. Um, I, I really enjoyed those moments. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the interesting with that. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, I'm, I'm just taking it all in. Go ahead. See the problem with going into Endgame, I felt like her role in Endgame was so built up that when we finally got to Endgame, she just showed up then left. And I get, I get the reasoning because other planets don't have the Avengers and whatnot, and I I thought that was kind of a BS reason because who is she? To, who, who is who is she to be the the universe police? Like, <laughs> who else? Bye. Bye. See, like that's I crazy. totally I, lo- I loved that. I totally agreed with with Rocket. Like, what are you gonna do? Go and get another haircut? Like. I laughed so hard at that moment because I'm just like, yeah, what are you going to do? Well, it it reminds me of, do you remember, gosh, what, what show was it? I think Community did this and Lost did this where they made a joke about the main characters being egotistical, you know, maniacal in the sense that everything was always about them and all the drama that was created at the you know, at Greendale and or on the island in Lost's case was due to these self-absorbed. And it was funny because it drew you outside of the fact that you were watching a show into the kind of comical reality of, yeah, the show is all about them, but if it were real life, they'd be really self-absorbed because why is it all about them and their drama and their... And so when she said like, uh, not every planet has the Avengers. It was kind of that meta moment for me where you said, yeah, in a real, in a real scenario where there's infinite mm-hmm. space and mm-hmm. civilization scattered all over the place, uh-huh. if you were a responsible hero, you wouldn't sequester yourself to a single planet. It's the mm-hmm. same line Thor gave Jane when he came back. He's like, the nine realms erupted into chaos, and I had to restore order and, and bring mm-hmm. back you know yeah. peace among the realms. And, and I feel like then I was like, she's like, not bad as far as excuses go. That's what I felt like 
She uh, was a little bit more blunt than Thor was in sure. explaining it. I can't ever get her character though. That's that's my biggest issue is that I I feel like I don't connect with Captain Marvel's character. Oh, um, that's fair. Do you think it's because she's a woman? It is not. Oh. It, it is not. <laughs> no, I I. I am all for powerful women and powerful roles as superheroes. I don't know, Jeremy. It no. doesn't sound like you are. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. It's pick on Jeremy hour. This is, okay. record, this is recording, you know what? right? You know, it's, <laughs> yes, it is. It is recording. <laughs> yeah, timestamp time this and send it to his wife. <laughs> oh, no, she'll hear it. She's very interested in hearing this last bit of no, oh, so the universe. I, it's just so funny because I was pretty enamored by her character because I liked how her her power. I mean, she's clearly one of the most powerful Avengers. Like we talk about that mm-hmm. joke that goes through phase one and two. She mm-hmm. is the most powerful Avenger, no doubt, which is why they had to skirt her off to some random galaxy for most of the fight. So yeah. she didn't just end it. But I like how that was paired with this... Uh, playful, like Alistair said, spunky, sensitive, um, just soft-spoken in a sense. Like her quips, yeah, she was sarcastic, but she wasn't abrasive to me. She was always just very, you know, matter of fact, but also like, you know, just a touch cocky because she was super powerful. I don't know. I, I ended up liking her character. You know what, J- Jeremy? Uh, Ken- Kendall, it, Kendall does want to know if you feel threatened by her. I do not feel threatened. <laughs> by Captain okay, no, I'm thinking about it a little bit more. And the way that she was kind of brought into this film was to hide her emotions because they they, they wanted to restrain her in that sense. Because uh-huh. using her emotions would use her powers and whatnot. And I think that is where the whole uh, personality comes in. That I kind of feel like I get it more than I think about it is that she's using these quips to hide her true feelings about the whole thing. She's trying to make a joke in a kind of a more serious situation, if yeah, that makes any sure. sense. Okay, I guess Okay, we'll let you is... off the hook, Jeremy. <laughs> hey, I'm trying I'm trying to understand, okay? If I can if He's Jason open to can it. hear me out, if Jason can hear me out and I can change his mind on Star Trek films, you guys can change my mind on superheroes and supervillains. But not Civil War though. The years when I'm not understanding. <laughs> Solo's yet to come, Jeremy. That's the ultimate one. Mm-hmm. That's the ultimate one. Don't worry. Yeah, holding, you know, and and there's been a lot of time. I did not rewatch. Um, I did not rewatch Captain Marvel, but I just remember it being, you know, it didn't disappoint me. No. And I liked the addition of her as a hero because I was really happy with the unique way in which the story was presented. I know you described it as a little bit jumbled and that's that's probably accurate but i just liked that it was you know amnesia i don't know i i was happy with it in the long run uh, and kendall brings up a good point not yep. everyone in uh the mcu processes events emotionally in the same way mm-hmm. oh that's an interesting w- which which is true and i guess that leads me to a good question and then since D- dan liked brie larson i guess this question would be more for jeremy maybe even for al if not Brie Larson, then who do you think would have been better as Captain Marvel? Oh gosh, that Jennifer that is Moritz. 
Oh no. <laughs> oh, Al. What? And there's the it's sticky moment from Alistair Engelhart, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Al, why would you do that? That, that <laughs> I honestly don't have a, any answer for that. I, I am not a casting director by yeah. any means. Uh, to it's to tough try question. and to try and look for somebody in the plethora of uh, you know, Hollywood actresses. It's tough. It's tough. I guess, I'll, I I'll do you a favor. I'll, I'll do you a favor. Think about that one for a while. It's a tough question, and we'll revisit that question in a future cast, well, and we'll see if Jeremy, you got one. What, what, about, what about Lindsay Lohan, Jeremy? Oh, Jesus. Mary Joseph. Oh, yeah. Jacob. <laughs> if I could reach through the screen and grab your neck, I would, but I can't. <laughs> and that'd be exactly what Al wants. Mm -hmm. Al. You're yep. getting him exactly. Oh, I think I finally understood that your position on Civil War is just a ruse to upset people. Oh. I'm sure that's not the case. <laughs> I'm, I'm the Loki of the podcast. <laughs> so, yeah. You're Captain turning everybody Marvel, against each other, Al. I liked the 90s. <laughs> I liked, yeah, overall, I thought yeah. it was pretty cool. So what one comes right after that? That's Endgame, right? That's, that's Endgame. It's going into... Oh, I, I, maybe we can jump back and kind of go through it a little bit of time, but I've, I've always been curious to hear what people think about how it ended with uh, Captain America and Peggy. You want, you want to know what my reaction was in the theater? Yeah, yeah. I just sat there and I went like this. I went, yep. yes. Yep. I went. Yeah. He got his ending with Peggy. I I, I was I yeah. was so pissed in because like like you guys know the, the first Captain America is one of my favorites because of the time setting and his relation with Peggy and everything. Mm -hmm. And the one thing that was really upsetting was that he didn't get to have his dance with Peggy at the end of the first film. Mm -hmm. And yeah. and it's always it's always tore him up inside from the beginning through all all of it. And the fact yeah. that he finally got the moment that he that he fought for and he deserved just felt mm -hmm. complete. Yeah. More importantly. How do you think the conversation went when he copped to making out with her niece? I remember you bringing this up and Mike saying, let's wait until we hit Endgame to discuss that. Yeah, so here we are. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that whole situation is a little awkward and I, I would really love to see that discussed with peggy like yeah by the way you know i made out with your niece well you know I, part of the problem i have with cap's ending i loved it he deserves it mm -hmm. and uh agent carter and steve rogers was the ship i always wanted that i never got mm -hmm. but Absolutely. never getting it was kind of what i loved about captain america mm -hmm. in in a sense i was like boy it really leaves you wanting that to have happened uh, and I think it adds to the gravity of his character having so little of his life before his freeze left. Mm. Um, and that was one of the really compelling elements of Cap's character was this man out of time. Um, mm. And even though he was so distinct from the norm and the current culture, he was still so convicted uh, I really liked that and respected that about him, but 
so when he goes back in time, all that to say, I, I was confused and thought, okay, so he goes back in time. Who was Peggy married to, to have daughters and, you know what I'm saying? Like, sure. See, so, that's yeah. something that I think the Agent Carter series would have uh, would have delved into if the show would have been on longer. Mm. Would have seen maybe who she yeah. generated a, a, um, a relationship. You're with. right, and though. Yeah, he's, dis- he's disrupting an entire family. Well, and I and I know the the easy answer mm-hmm. is, oh, that's multiverse. He went back. He's on a new path. It's a but it's, it's not Agent Carter. The intriguing one I liked was that when Peggy talks about how he even saved her husband, she clearly knows that she can't expose Steve Rogers as the having traveled back in time to live the quiet life, Steve Mm -hmm. Rogers. She just talks about some anonymous soldier who's her husband, who's really Steve Rogers. Um, But I think there was enough mystery with who her husband was that it kind of works. And I'm, I'm okay with it. I thought it was kind of a selfish move, but... So then in that sense, he really kisses his own niece. (laughs) You know, I didn't think of it that way. I mean, he didn't know at the time because he had gone back. Hey, when Luke kissed Leia, he didn't know it was his sister. But should she have known? Well... It was that good of a secret. Hey, look at it this way. Just like the Luke and Leia thing, when Luke says that about Leia, uh, if Luke was one with the Force, shouldn't he have kind of felt that? You know, well, something he felt something. It, was, it, was, it was still developing. Was still well, let's developing. be honest. Luke before Luke before six is a trash Jedi anyway. Mm. Wow. <laughs> I think he, he, he really he wow. just he he mistook though that Force feeling for. Oh. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was conflicted. He's like, I'm, I'm feeling all these things for the he first just, time. He felt, he felt something. He felt something, and he, all right. and he, and he misjudged it. Yeah. Uh, okay, I have to ask a question though about Cap. Yeah, there is a theory that Cap died in in, in uh, Infinity War when Thanos punched him, and that How, when okay. and when uh, when Cap was holding the Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah. And then Thanos punches him down. And then afterwards, we don't see Cap. And then he used the time stone within that area to bring back Vision. Another reason this works is because in that time frame, he threw Banner, who was in Hulkbuster, into the rocks. And he was out of the rocks when the time stone was used to bring right, vision back. All right, you've totally lost me. I need more detail. Yeah, you know, I'd, I'd have to go back and watch okay. it, but I, I know the scene you're talking about, Jeremy. Yeah, okay, I'd so in that in that it. end scene of Infinity War, he throws Hulkbuster into a rock, and he's, like, stuck there. Mm-hmm. He's able to uh, uh, take um, War Machine, and he's able to, you know, scrunch him in his armor and then th- cast him aside. Right. Then Captain America comes, Kind of holds his own against Thanos. Thanos yep. punches him into the ground. Yeah, we don't see him. So he would have been in the sphere of impact mm. for the time stone. Yes. Yeah, I like that. That's then, cool. then the explosion there with Vision is. happens. Then he uses the time stone to bring Vision back. And that brings Cap back. I think that brings Cap back. 
So what? Hmm. I think of that what cap consequences is that. I don't know, but I Everything. think Cap had a very big personality change from Infinity War going into Endgame. Well, that's Disney's obsession with corrupting his character. But what do you what do you guys think of that theory? That uh, Cap I have to go back and, and watch back. it. That's I I'd never heard that. That's cool though. I'll it's, have to. It's in, it's an interesting theory. Um, so, so I'm gonna I'm gonna pull this thread a little bit because. <laughs> Maybe that's what changed between his initial unsuccessful attempt to wield Mjolnir and mm. his second successful attempt in Endgame to wield it. He had been cleansed by the process of a self-sacrificial death, and Probably. lost all the. Things. And that's why he became worthy. Well, I, you know, I actually just watched rewatched um, Ultron this week, and. I watched very closely when he went to try, when all of them were at the party trying to lift Mjolnir, mm-hmm. Mew Mew. Um, mm-hmm. And um, he doesn't look like he's using all of his strength. He looks like he's, he's uh, acting. He's the reserved theory, huh? Yeah, he didn't want to embarrass <laughs> Thor. <laughs> That's an interesting yeah, so, theory, too. So, so maybe he lifts it, because I could believe that Cap would just be curious he yeah. lifts it he's successful thor perks up yeah then, right like, you know i so when natalie when natasha says this is not a question i need answered cap doesn't really need it answered for anyone else but himself either uh-huh. yeah, i like point. that theory i anytime you place cap above all the other avengers <laughs> i think you're spot on <laughs> uh accepting in civil war yeah. Yeah, with the exception of Civil War. <laughs> yeah, I know you guys erroneously think that. There's no <laughs> bashing it. We spent we spent, an hour. We spent like two hours discussing Civil War. You know what's <laughs> funny is I told my brother about that podcast and how all you dummies were on Team Iron Man. Wow. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Wow. But, but my brother was like, oh, it makes me interested to see what their arguments would even be. Because yeah. I feel like we're both in the position where I just don't understand it. I still don't quite get it. But we'll ha- we'll have to have a retcon uh, to to that episode in two years, mm-hmm. um, where we where we hash it out again. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> I um getting back to getting back to Endgame. Uh, I really liked the the twist of Nebula. Mm-hmm. Uh, being connected to past nebula yeah. when they get into the past yeah i, loved yeah. That. I, I didn't that see too. that coming at me all me neither <laughs> no yeah talk For about shoot. creative grounded believable plot mechanisms yes mm-hmm. yeah that was fantastic mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i true? Go ahead, i was Jack. actually just watching endgame earlier and i thought that uh Going into time travel theory and everyone that ever anyone ever says things about time travel is that I thought that uh, Thanos watching the future and watching his future oh, unfold, gosh. I thought that that was one of the worst mistakes he could have ever done because no one should know too much about their own destiny because then it's just going to come full circle anyways, yeah, in a way. 
what what you what you guys think um was uh was Nat the one that should have uh should have fall or should have fell? Yeah. Instead of uh Hawkeye, Clint. Yeah, I think mainly because of Hawkeye's family life and I think that that he was very important. Yeah. And yeah. the thing of it is too is you know he they have that Hawkeye series they're doing too where he's training his daughter to to take up the mantle too. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, I I think that she was the right one because she really had nobody. She had no family life. The only person she was yeah, this, romantically attached to was Bruce. I mean, this way they can make more money. So, <laughs> no, yeah. you know what? I I know you guys aren't as enamored by Natasha and Clint as I am, but I love that relationship. Wait, they had they had one. Like it wasn't romantic. Well, it was yeah, not no, it, it's 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 like a brother and sister relationship. Yeah, yeah. they have yeah. a history. Don't you remember those places they say to one another, and we don't know what they're talking about? <laughs> yes, to me, Budapest. Yeah, to me, I'm still waiting I, for Budapest. <laughs> it, I, I get this feeling that they had some kind of romantic moment because no. to me, the way the whole thing's played no. out, it just feels I, like it. Wrong. I'm going to agree she's, with Dan here. I don't think that Natasha. there was a. She's Aunt Natasha. She's that friend, that family friend. But wait a minute. But wait a minute. Watch in the first Avengers movie. Mm-hmm. Watch the eye contact when they are in the medical room on the Avengers base ship. <laughs> Watch the intensity. It is there. I'll, I'll it look is for there. It. Okay. That doesn't mean that they ever acted on it they can have deep sure. feelings sure they can have conflicted complexity that i blame scarlett johansson and jeremy renner then because they shouldn't have played it that way well i don't know were... and i don't i don't i think you might be misreading it i think i think have... i think it was it's a speculative thing and you're yeah. going into one direction when they're clearly when i think you're projecting the mm. the feelings you have for <laughs> Jeremy Renner on the... I thought you were going to say Jeremy Larson. Whoa. <laughs> wow. Um, no, I'm going to give you a good case in point. It's the same controversy with the whole the whole Ray and, and, and Kylo thing. Sure, sure. I mean, think of it that way. Okay, I mean, difference. The difference being Ray and Kylo touched their mucous membranes together. But if you go by the novel, the novel says well, it wasn't romantic. And, and I, I, I think there could just be some reality to when, when you have that close a friendship with, you know, with, with someone. You know, sometimes emotions can get clouded. Maybe it was <laughs> and, just a moment. Mixed. Maybe it just, was a moment. But may, maybe they never did. But maybe they, maybe they had moments where it was close. It's possible. Yeah, but what's the point? That's total speculation. That's, and that's, it serves to do nothing but devalue the friendship they had. And that. so my whole point is that mm. cliff scene, I genuinely didn't know. Endgame did such a good job about you kind of know they're going to win, but you don't mm. know how. Yeah. That scene was like, you don't know who was going to, win and sacrifice themselves i just i loved it and was i happy that it was natasha i feel like that was a more emotional choice made the most Um, sense just because she had been part of the series for one movie longer two movies longer but Mm. i don't know kendall says their relationship splits the room supposed to divide the audience on whether or not they had something more see that's perfect it's a, it's a, it's a division amongst the community see yeah 
<laughs> yeah. It's fair. And so in the spirit of division, you're way wrong. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, we'll agree to disagree. Fair enough. All right. Maybe we should Chris. do a poll. <laughs> yeah. So Chris says, let's talk about Budapest. And I have to admit, I don't know anything about what happened. They don't, they don't I, bet, I, bet, I bet it'll come up in, in Black Widow, though. Is there any, like, extra canon to it? Not right now, I don't think. Nothing. Yeah, let's, okay. let's ask Google what happened in Budapest. Does, Maybe in the comics. Any, yeah, that's true. Does anybody know how far before? Because I know they said that, that this Black Widow takes place just briefly before Infinity War. Does anybody know how, how long before Infinity War? No idea. No idea. I was. I think it, I was I think really it has flashbacks as well. I was intrigued by the trailer for it. Yeah, I, I want to see it. We've waited how Plus, long now? Before I like, here to see it. I like the guy that plays Hopper too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he plays um in Stranger Things, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Detective Hopper. Mm-hmm. Or Sheriff Hopper. Yeah, there is yeah. nothing about Budapest besides that reference. No. Perfect. I don't think uh, I don't even think Jeremy Renner's on the cast list for Black Widow, so I don't think any flashbacks oh, are coming. Really? Darn, He's on yeah. the secret cast list. It's possible. It's possible they could be holding it back. Robert Downey Jr.'s on the cast list for Black Widow. It'll just be it'll be uh, a uh, a stunt actor, stunt double. Just showing from show behind his, his head. Yeah. Yeah. So one of my favorite Endgame moments was when Ant Man comes back mm-hmm. and connects with his daughter. Yeah, I like that moment. I just felt like him discovering that was really cool. Yeah, yeah, I can agree. They actually, I just read an article today, they're actually recasting the grown-up daughter already for Ant-Man 3. Yeah, I heard about that. Mm -hmm. That's cool. (laughs) Yeah, the one that's playing her is, uh, actress is Catherine Newton. She played in Supernatural, and she played in that new movie, uh, what, Freaky with Vince Vaughn? Mm-hmm. Yeah, huh. so she's playing the daughter now, which I guess she'd have to dye her hair black now because she wasn't a blonde. <laughs> I don't know who, who that is. But, uh, yeah, I'm not really sure why they're making that move. Yeah, that was, hey. a cool, that was a cool moment, Dan. I just mm-hmm. like, there's something about the whole having left and coming back trope in science fiction and fantasy that I really like. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just so much that can be done with it. I don't know if you guys ever watched the 4400. Heard of it, never watched it. Yeah, yeah it was it was just a show where like 4400 people disappeared mm-hmm. uh, at different times throughout history, and then they all came back at the same time from the same place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think each of them had some sort of remarkable power or something <laughs> like that and so it really was just like uh figuring that stuff out um what how they were affected and stuff like that it was it was pretty good but the whole trope and it comes up i guess in spider-man far from home where they talk about the blip you know people came back they hadn't aged but the people aged beyond them that same that same thing happened in the 4400 there's another show that was similar to it where people disappeared and then they came back i just like i like mm. that yeah storyline huh i think one of one of my favorite moments was when uh tony got to spend that time with howard i really yeah. i i think especially knowing that he that he 
died so quickly thereafter, I think for him to have um, just a, a healing moment with his dad was really cool. Um, I think it really, yeah, really neat that that really was, that cool. those were some of his last moments with that weren't, that weren't, you know, battle. <laughs> mm -hmm. And a little bit of golden compass action there where, you know, his dad always said that phrase mm. that Iron Man told him that Iron Man heard from his dad. Right. Like, <laughs> where did it come from? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. See, I like the fact that Tony's whole story came really full circle. And, you know, considering that Robert Downey Jr. is, is really the reason why the MCU got started because Iron Man was just so memorable. Yeah. And it just started this thing out with such it was just made it so iconic so fast. Hmm. And I, I like the fact that they took the time to give Tony a family life, you know, have him settle down with Pepper, have a kid, but then give yes. him a chance to be able to wrap his storyline up with his father and be able to basically yeah. by the time he died, come to peace with everything. He got to experience hmm. a family life, got to get his closure with his father and then be able to become the hero that he always wanted to be after getting out of that cave in Iron Man 1. Yeah, well, gosh, when Jensen says, don't waste it, exactly. uh, he was pretty close to wasting it for a really long time. Uh -huh. um, and he just kept struggling with that. And I, I love that redemption. Yeah. Like, I mean, closed like bookends. It almost makes the entire MCU about Iron Man's redemption arc. True. Um, I mean, he's such a a scandalous self-serving drunk you know in the beginning he's he's blessed with intelligence and wealth and uh -huh. you know privilege and he just is squandering it until he realizes he gets smacked with mortality with mm -hmm. the final you know dangers of things um, and it literally crushes his mental health. And it, mm -hmm. I, I just love his arc because, frankly, he's not a great guy to start. No. Um, but no. he finishes, right. you know, it's, it's, and it's full circle. One of the things I loved about Endgame is they tethered it to the other movies, particularly the other Avenger movies so well. Mm -hmm. When Cap is criticizing him and he says, you know, you're not the guy who lays down on the wire to let others cross over. And he's like, how about we just cut the wire? But he grew into that guy who did exactly that and made the self-sacrifice. Yeah, they both yeah. showed, like, uh, from that first interaction where he says, you know, you want, you're not going to make the sacrifice play, he ends up doing that. Right. You know, right. When, uh, when Stark calls out Steve and says, you know, everything that was special from you came out of a bottle, and yet he ends up wielding Mjolnir at the end of the, the movie, too. Right, right. Uh -huh. So it's just, it's so great to see them evolve to the point to where they've exceeded expectations. Yeah. You know, Cap could have almost said to Tony, well, anything special of, of you came out of a cave. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess he wouldn't know that. Right. Boy, but, I loved the moment when Cap wielded Mjolnir. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. That was pretty epic. That was awesome. Yep. It like lets you know that he has the purity it. to be right. 
yeah. See, in that way, I almost think that you're right about how he held back from picking up that in Age of Ultron because when Thor tells him, I knew it, it almost is like Thor knew that he held back in that moment. Yeah, something yeah. like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> yeah. But, um... All Wait, right. Say, yeah, okay. Yeah. No, go ahead, no, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say, I, I'm conflicted with the drastic changes that happened to Cap Mm-hmm. And I realized, like, some of it was just modernizing it, but I thought it was fun and consistent in his own character for him to be the kind of guy who wouldn't say ass. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like yeah. that was a cool aspect of Cap's character was his traditionalism and the fact that they that they kind of played on it for a joke I mean, it made it really funny because he was such a long-standing, straight-edge kind of guy. But I still was like, I don't know. Dan, I'm going to have to stop you right here. I love it when you take Captain America and you see his flaws for what they are. Like, finally, it's been how many episodes? (laughs) (laughs) I never said he wasn't flawed. Yeah. And I also never advocated for the way he enacted his viewpoint in Civil War. I don't think he plays it out properly, but ideologically I think he was correct. And that's mm. the only that's the only thing. He's he's a very flawed guy and we see that. Um but yeah, I just and I kind of liked his I, I'm just so torn. Like the joke about him being tired of his tenacity of his younger self who's like i can do this all day and i know you can and he's yeah, like know, all right yeah i know i know all right all right it's like part of that <laughs> this is one of the funniest I, moments i love it and it is funny but it's also sad because cap has grown into someone who's not as optimistic as he was you know he has this this cynicism brought on by i mean all the crap he's been through i'm sure but it was just kind of depressing to see him be ashamed of his former optimistic cheery like i'm this is my duty and i'm happy to fill it to you you felt you felt like he was ashamed of it i don't know what that shame is the right word that might be too loaded but he certainly he certainly seemed like tired of that oh come on (laughs) yeah like i know you can gosh you're i'm so annoyed with myself and maybe he was getting to that point to where his spirit was finally reaching its breaking point to where he couldn't do this all day and it wasn't a physical thing it was more a mental thing it's like that toby keith song he's not as good as he once was but he's as good (laughs) once as he ever was Although I'm pretty sure Toby Keith's song is not about saving the world. It's about like <laughs> drinking in threesomes or something. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> All right, so I got three really good questions since this is the end of the MCU. Um, I'll start with the first question, and this is the easiest one. Um, what is your, maybe it's not the easiest one, but are we going to your... talk about Far From Home? Oh, yeah. See? <laughs> Wow. You know what? We talked about Spider-Man in the beginning that I think I just, I brain farted. Okay. So yes, far from home. 
Okay. See, I thought I thought Far From Home was a was a great film in the fact that it kind of set up the world as it is now. Of there are two kinds of people. There are the people who weren't snapped and the people who blipped. Right. right. And that's a it's a big difference. Yeah, they they did introduce that dynamic well, and it was it was kind of funny. I remember laughing seeing the marching band tubas just yeah. reappear. <laughs> <laughs> Although I find it I find it incredibly convenient that all the main characters uh, were blipped sure. happy wasn't okay not happy but and uh who was who was the uh, attractive young male that aged five years ben um is that his name ben ben yeah the the the, the love rival oh no uh brad it was brad, brad. That's what it was. there it is yeah. there it is <laughs> what does he say yeah he's aged five years man now the girls are all over him he's he says <laughs> he was some I forget what he says about when he's younger, but he's like, now, geek. now he's ripped and super nice. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought it was consistent with Spider-Man's character. Spider-Man was still, you know, making bad choices and being really young, but also quirky and good-hearted. Um, I loved for the most part, the relationship building between him and MJ, although I thought it was a little bit lacking interaction throughout the movie. They were kind of just making, not making eyes at each other the whole movie sure. until it right. finally ruined us. Yep. Um, I, did, I did not... I thought the way they did Mysterio was super creative. Yes. Um, yeah, definitely. yeah. Yeah. The concept it, of his character. Yeah, well, yeah. and I, I'm pretty sure that's a break from the comics, right? Yeah, Mister. Uh, yeah, yeah, they, it, does it was a very, a very different take on Mysterio. It, from it the felt very much like the Mandarin to me, where you have that... this person built up as what they are, but it really <laughs> is just an elaborate ruse. Mm-hmm. And again, going to criticize Iron Man 3 because this is the kind of reveal I wanted for the Mandarin. <laughs> sure. And not the joke. Yeah, this gave. is how to do it right. <laughs> See, I loved I loved the Mandarin. But I just felt that same kind of um, bait and switch where you're like, oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. And in that scene, what was funny is I saw the guy and I'm like, hey, that's the guy that Obadiah Stane yells at. Yeah, and then that they, was great. And then they showed that clip. That's and I was right. like, oh, I wish they would have had more henchmen that we didn't notice getting mistreated throughout. Like <laughs> right. maybe a guy who oh, it had all to comes work full on circle. Michael Keaton's crew. Yeah, mm-hmm. just more connections to the past would have been would have been yeah. nice. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I, w- I guess I was disappointed because I fell for Mysterio too. Hmm. You know, the fact that too. he was playing with his wedding ring, mm-hmm. the fact that he was so optimistically defensive of Peter. He's like, hey, don't ever apologize for being the smartest guy in the room. And then he's talking to him about, you know, part of me's glad you're here. I just... Too chummy chum. Yeah, I yeah. just, I fell for to it. To have good intentions. <laughs> Yeah. Well, see, you see, I honestly thought, because I knew Mysterio was a bad guy, but I honestly thought this movie was going to pull a trick out of its hat and was actually going to yeah. make him good throughout the whole film. It, it right. looked as though they were going to go that direction. So is Mysterio traditionally a villain? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Yes. Okay. 
fantastic villain i thought i mean yeah no 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 allusions to his powers no yeah so what what are his powers from in in canon because they looked a lot like dr strange well now i don't know this for sure but is his powers in the comics does he have legit powers or was it all uh a fake out in the Uh, comics mysterio does not possess any superhuman abilities Okay. He's a former special effects artist, illusionist, and actor who uses his talent to commit crime. So the movie did that. So right. it okay. is, it is technically no, the same thing. Up with another villain. Then. Okay, interesting. Hmm. So had I known a little bit more, that probably wouldn't have shocked me as much as it did. Huh. Mm-hmm. But I, I, it, oh, I'm, I'm, like, I'm confusing him with Doctor Doom. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Dis- despite the special effects being a little bit contrived, like how does the how do these holograms actually work? I really liked. I still liked the way the scenes played out. They made me mm-hmm. feel like the scarecrow levels from the Batman mm, Arkham yes. games. Yeah, his sure. nightmare sequence was just yeah. out of Batman Begins in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I loved uh, the nightmare sequence. That was. So I great. did. It was one of my favorite scenes of the entire movie. Where yeah. he's just he he doesn't know where he is. He's throwing a punch and punches a wall like. Yeah. Did you so guys ever great. play the old uh, play uh, Spider-Man games on the? I think it was on the PS2. Uh yeah, the I remember because it was the first time that the Xbox version had content that the PlayStation version mm-hmm. didn't. And I was like, I didn't know games could do that. Yeah, yeah. And, and it, it's funny because the sequence with the Nightmare with Mysterio, that sequence was kind of in one of those Spider-Man games. And I thought it was taken almost right out of that, which was so cool that oh, they were neat. able to duplicate that. Yeah. What were your guys' thoughts about uh, Jake as Mysterio? Jake Gyllenhaal, yeah. I, I thought he played the part really well. And, and like what Dan said – he played it so convincingly that you bought into the bullcrap. You you bought into it. And yeah. and he played it so well and so straight faced that it's like, yeah, I could see how Peter fell for it. I, I could get it. Yeah. I, th- I think what was so interesting to me is how he was able to fool. I guess the whole, you know, snap and blip stuff mm-hmm. would unseat organizations that would know what was going on but sure it just retrospectively seems a little bit contrived that he was able to come in and fool everybody and Mm -hmm. like how did he have the drones to create the illusions before he had access to edith Mm-hmm. because he used the drones from edith to create the bigger one were we supposed to just say like oh these are bigger or because he invented it he had access to some and not all of them mm. um yeah you're right because it, it it looks like he drastically increases his numbers by acquiring edith yeah mm-hmm. and but that, but yeah. the but the extent of the damage isn't he, vastly different i mean he's definitely right? doing damage prior to having edith Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, think of the fire one, which is yeah. done the first. And I guess just in general, I felt a little bit rushed through that movie. Hmm. I felt like Peter ought, it, ought to have been given more time to uh, give us visible grief about mm-hmm. Tony. Mm. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. That moved too quickly. I felt like I would have loved to see more 
fairy development with MJ because they kind of just were like not getting to interact until they did. And then when they did, it was like, oh, I like you. I like you too. Especially in the first um, one, they didn't really interact much. Yeah. Hmm. And then just in general, the whole, like the elementals, I guess it was all a ruse. So I, I'm glad they didn't put too much into it, but I would have liked, I don't know. I, th- I find myself wanting the multiverse angle to be the way they go that hmm. I was really disappointed when it was an illusion. And so that draws me to like, you, you're talking about reveals of casting and stuff. Do we think they're taking it the multiverse route? It, it, it appears so, because, you know, you already got Jamie Foxx, you know, confirmed as Electro again. Okay. Um, okay. They're saying that this Electro is not going to be blue like he was in Amazing Spider-Man 2. He's going to be yellow now. Huh. Um, uh. I, I don't know if the Doc Ock, like Alpha Molina's Doc Ock, is he going to be uh, Doc Ock in Tom Holland's universe, or is he coming from a multiverse from Tobey Maguire's universe? I haven't right. heard, but that, I mean, they've, they've, the multiverse, it, I mean, they've made, ex- made it explicit even with the, with the upcoming Doctor Strange film. Mm-hmm. Um, See, I don't which, know anything about that one either. Well, yeah. Doctor Strange does say multiverse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, it's a thing, I guess. Yeah. I just, and I can't, I can't even imagine, how, like, isolated from the, the broader MCU, I, I, I was, I would have a hard time imagining what, continuing to expand on Doctor Strange 1 could look like without the multiverse introduced. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Since they've already, the they've already introduced, you know, dimensional planes. Like, right. True. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't, didn't Electro and Doc Ock both die in those movies? Doc, uh, it's, Electro did, I thought. It's implied with Doc Ock. I think we see him sinking. The chip got yeah, fried we saw him down, and then Electro was like kind of zapped out of existence. It looked like, yeah, but yeah. that I don't know. Nothing, nothing Maybe... quite as, as clear as Emma Stone's fall. No, I don't know how she's coming back. Snap. Maybe, maybe they're talk about a interrupt. Snap. Maybe they're going to interrupt <laughs> both of those films. What if they come in during the oh, timeline of those films? I would love that. I yeah. I really loved the way they went back to scenes from the first Avengers. And that's that's the thing yeah. I think that they're going to pull with this one. That'd be amazing. Is that that's the only way to bring Emma Stone's character back, Gwen Stacy back. Can't, Man. can't bring it You're back. on fire tonight, Jeremy. That's like the fifth really insightful, interesting <laughs> thing you've brought to my attention. He's got plenty I'm of getting them. better at this, Dan. I'm getting really better. <laughs> You're so good. You're turning green. Yeah, you're hulking out, man. There, there's two really good theories I like. Um, what if, like, okay, for the Electro Theory, what if when he got zapped at the end out of existence, what if he got zapped into Tom Holland's multiverse? Okay, that's one. And what if what if Emma Stone's Gwen Stacy? What if she's going to be Gwen Stacy in Tom Holland's universe? Oh yeah, that that's another way to do it is to have them be the same people. Yeah. Only because... the the Earth eight eight six version or whatever. Sure. Well, I know I know usually like there's like usually different Spider Man stuff like that. I know from like watching what the the Christ on Infinite Earths for DC. Well, um, Into the Spider Verse is amazing, by the way. I'm, it's yeah. a perfect film. It's I, awesome, I, I and I think any grief about it. Yeah, I think it shows 
what they can do with multiverse and how it's it should be pretty cool. Yeah. It's gonna be interesting how they're gonna pull that off. And I like I like hearing about all these different theories and like all these different characters popping in because I'm gonna be very curious to how they're gonna explain them coming into the fold. And are they gonna be just cameos or are they gonna be fully fledged roles? Right. Right. Could be flashbacks. Could be that too. So it could show both of their both of their love interests in danger and that could be mm -hmm. the cameos for each of them and them defeating their both doc ock and electro i don't know I'm not sure. i think with this with these casting announcements i think spider-man 3 became the most wanted and most anticipated marvel movie coming forward now wow i think it has because that's it's just it's it's intriguing how it's going to work and and now Spider-Man 3 is coming out before Doc, uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse. Mm -hmm. And I'm actually interested to see how they're going to pull that off because I would have thought it would have been flip-flopped mm -hmm. to kind of launch that. But Spider-Man's coming yeah. first. So I'll be curious yeah. to see how that's going to launch Doctor Strange. I'm looking yeah. forward to both of them. Both of them yeah. are on the top of my list. Mm -hmm. huh. Absolutely. But, uh, okay, so I'll get to my two questions since we're at the end of the, of the MCU now. I thought it was three. Um, it was three, but my third one I, I, I dropped. I thought about it and it didn't Oh, no, I want to hear it. I want to hear it. All right, I'll ask that question last and we'll see if it works. Okay. <laughs> so the, the, the first question is, um, maybe it's a little difficult, but uh, give me your top three Marvel movies. Doesn't be in any particular order. Just give me your top three just in general. Top three. I hate you for that. <laughs> I knew you would. Oh man, I really confused everybody. You, you should you should have asked <laughs> this say, question at the beginning of the day. <laughs> that yeah, was too easy. I'm gonna say th uh, top three. Definitely have Thor Ragnarok in there. Mm -hmm. um, followed by Infinity War. Followed by Incredible Hulk. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just I'm just giving time to. I, I didn't know what to say there for a minute. Um, third for me, I really enjoy Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm -hmm. I like the the music a lot. Mm -hmm. That's probably my third. Yes, there. Only because I I can't use Endgame. I I can't use. Well, Endgame they're just they're the just all so different. They are. They are. And they are all so good in such different ways. Like that when you talked about Guardians and the music, I'm like, yeah. Those are great because the way they look and the way they feel, and mm -hmm. um, I think I have to say, I, I should mention, by the way, Jeremy Jason Sagnus <laughs> says he's judging you completely on your answer. Yeah, of <laughs> course he is. <laughs> okay, so I keep <laughs> I keep cycling through like all of them. I'm like. Well, so Infinity War and or Endgame, they're both kind of one. Civil War, but then also Winter Soldier. Oh, okay, now I'm more than three. So I definitely have to say, I'm just going to condense them down with you. I'll guys. give you Infinity War's Endgame as one. Nice. Civil, Civil War and, and, and um, Winter Soldier, they're not the same, but they're so similar. I would want to pick one over the other. Uh, yeah. And I think I'm going to have to go with Civil War. I just, I love that one. Okay. 
same with Infinity War and Endgame. You got to choose one. And I loved Endgame because of how unpredictable it was. That's hard. And That's how hard. dark it was. Yeah, I got to choose. I got to choose Endgame. And then finally, I think I have to do one something from Phase One. I'm inclined to give it honorary an honor to Iron Man one, but I might have to choose Captain America. Those are my three. Okay. Those are my three. Or the first Avengers. Nice. Uh, okay. Yeah. We'll honorable mention. Honorable mention for number four. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I can't. To, I can't do it. You want me to go first, Jeremy? Give you a little more time? No, I, I think I got it all pegged. I right. Captain America Civil War is pretty high up there on my list. Um, Age of Ultron. Wow. Nice. And I want to say Ragnarok with a special mention for Black Panther as my close fourth. Interesting. So Kendall said Ultron, Winter Soldier, and Endgame. Ultron was good. I love James Spader. I love the playfulness yeah. of the group at the party in mm-hmm. in Ultron. Yeah. yeah. Like with them all joking around with one mm-hmm. another. But I hate I, the, I really dislike Quicksilver. I think the biggest the, the biggest thing that puts Ultron in the top is for it, it, and the thing it, it's what comes after it with the Civil War. It's just the consequences of their actions. And how that plays into the universe after that. Like Ultron changes the game pretty much. Yeah, Sp- uh, James Spader's uh, portrayal of that. It, it, it really puts mm-hmm. Ultron in the mix because of that. And Ultron is so underrated, and I don't know why it gets so much flack. Because yeah. I think, in a lot of ways, I think overall the, the story, I think it's better than the first Avengers. Mm. And I'll tell you why. Because the problem that I have with the first Avengers is, is that it has, a, it has really a fairly generic action storyline, a fairly a generic action movie storyline. People are blinded by the, the big team up. They're blinded by that. And they're not seeing the story sometimes clearly that it's just kind of a generic story. Where sure. Ultron is intelligent. Yeah. It goes a little bit more in depth and it creates serious tension between all the characters that really ups the ante. Yeah, maybe. the end. Yeah, I think you really tapped into something for me talking about the villain because the mm-hmm. villain in Avengers 1 is really just nameless Jatari that D- Disney used because they couldn't have Avengers killing people right. en masse. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I I do agree that the more co- the further along you got, the more compelling the villains became and that was a really great Jason says Winter Soldier, Infinity War, Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, yeah, nice. I just I struggle so much with picking them because everyone yeah. is right. Yeah, he he, he aligned one too with me. Yeah, mm-hmm. I hear you. I hear you, Jason. It's tough. Yeah. It's, it's it's tough, and and I'm sitting here kind of conflicted too. It is tough um, to pick a favorite out of all of the movies that are in here is an impossible task because they all have mm-hmm. their merits. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I wouldn't dare ask what your favorite one was, period, because no, that, that is that like would impossible. Be the, it's a sticky moment if you ask. <laughs> yeah, that would be impossible. 
Um, it is. It's really tough. I like them all for different reasons. And I still can't get my wife to go through them all with me. Uh, really? Give, give her time. Give her She's time. seen them. She's seen them. I just don't think she... The hardest of hearts. Is she a Marvel fan or is it just kind of... Um, I would because she's Alex because she's secretly team Iron. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wants, maybe that's she why wants she to avoid the conflict. She watched the podcast and she doesn't want to listen to me talk about Captain America. Oh boy! No, I I wouldn't say she's. I wouldn't say she dislikes Marvel, but I don't think I'd call her like a Marvel. Passionate fan. about it. Her her mm-hmm. universes are Star Wars, Harry yeah. Potter, yes. Avatar. That. Hey, that's a good as yeah. good an excuse as any. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> I agree with those. Um, my three. Oh boy, now it's my turn. Oh God. Um, I knew that my question was going to come back to backfire on me. <laughs> um, I'm gonna have to go with Infinity Wars one. Uh because that ending there, it just, it gets me every time. And I just, the fact that they were ballsy to do that with a superhero movie just blows my mind. Um, Thor Ragnarok. I enjoy Ragnarok a lot. We're aligned on two so far, Mike. Give me the Guardians. Give me the Guardians. Um, No, Mike won't do it. (laughs) He's not even considering Guardians, I don't think. (laughs) He's going to say something way out of left field, like Iron Man 2 or something. I'm feeling Black Panther. No, it won't be Iron Man 2 or 3, I promise. I'm feeling feeling Black Panther for Mike. No. Mm -mm. No? No. He's going to say Iron Man 1. Actually, no. (laughs) Spider-Verse? I'll tell you what. I don't think Spider-Man got enough mention in these favorites. Captain America, the first Avenger. Nice. Yeah. An honorable okay. mention is Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes. We were close, Mike. We yep. were close, close to synchronization there. Yep. By I the know way, a lot of people will give me flax. I didn't throw Civil War Winter Soldier in there. And I like those movies. It's just that like Ragnarok, for instance. I'm a Thor fan. So yeah. I I, I like the Thor movies a lot more than some people do because some people give flack to the first two and whatever. I don't understand whatever. it. Yeah, so, but no, and don't take that away from me, though. Winter Soldier and Civil War are both great movies, and really, there's not really a bad movie in the MCU. I mean, Incredible Hulk borderlines on that, but there's not really a bad movie, though, to be fair. Mike, brief side tangent, but since you're a Thor fan as well, what are your thoughts on uh, Gore, the god killer, with uh, Christian Bale? I like that they casted Christian Bale. I can't wait yeah, to see too. his portrayal. That's going to be awesome, I think. Yeah. Wow, yeah. I didn't even know about that. But I like that Natalie Portman's coming back, and we're going to see her as kind of like the new Thor. I think it's going to be kind of a cool mm-hmm. way of doing the story. And I like that uh, the director of Ragnarok, Takita, what was it? Takia Wakatiti, I think his name is. Uh, he, why the, isn't it? Oh, now that you've said it, I can't think of what it actually is. Wakatiti? Yeah, I, I like the fact that he's coming back to Take do it. He's going to bring that, that Ragnarok. And, and and Chris Hemsworth said that this movie is crazier than Ragnarok, so I'm really interested. Taika Waititi is what it is. That's it. That's it, yeah. But um, Okay, my question number two. What is your oh. favorite – what's your favorite uh, – your favorite series, whether it be a trilogy or a two? What's your favorite trilogy or – so when you say you. this, when you say what's your favorite series, you have to choose the whole series as a whole as your favorite. Yep. 
And is Avengers on the table? Yep. I shouldn't, though, because it's everybody. Yeah, I'd say everybody, take Avengers off the table. Take it out. Take it out. Yeah, yeah take, take it, it off the table. That makes it easy for me, then. Yeah. Uh, Captain America. Captain America was strong yeah. and uh, very... Um, it kept consistency within the entirety mm-hmm. of it. It did. Yep. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah, I, I yeah none of those that. films were bad. None no. Of them. Um, I, I think, I, I think I'm, on, I'm on the line between Captain America and... Or Thor. Like I said, or Thor. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm uh, yeah. I, I really I'm, I'm like Thor, I'm with you. Especially because if you consider... If we're comparing them as series, look at Thor 1 compared to Thor 2, compared to Thor 3, if you had to choose one, that might be the most diverse. Yeah, That's I mean, Thor, tough. Yeah, I think Thor, I think the Dark Elves, Thor, um, or D- Thor Dark World in comparison to um, the Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. might, I think that's what keeps Captain America on top for me. Yeah, I think Captain America in terms of storyline and almost everything is better but Thor is more diverse. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. Um, they're both good. I think Civil War and Ragnarok are both really fun. Mm-hmm. And while I might like the production and the music and the effects and the surprises of Thor 3 better than Civil War, I just mm-hmm. love the... the Political intrigue. Yeah, just the... the yeah, the dives deep. The things it to just think dives about. deep into the heavy the, the villain of Civil War. Well, and it really anchors the stories to real world consequences and that was awesome yeah. yeah we have we have a thor dark world hater jason sagna says cap wins thor dark world is the weak link yeah that's a very popular opinion with yeah marvel fans is that thor the dark world is the weak i just link. i just rewatched it I, I still really enjoy it i i, I really too. i really enjoy yeah. I, I not as much as the other two i i do think of the three it's the weakest but i i still think incredible hawk is the worst i th- i think I think, that's why there's only one <laughs> yeah i wonder i wonder what would have made dark world better for i wonder if if instead of being elves mm-hmm. if it was just elves. dark something if they just named them some random alien species. do you think it was the 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 feeling of tropiness that people had an issue with i have to explain that word to me i'm sorry well, just that, like, oh, elves—they're all over the place. Yeah. Like, do you think yeah. it was that the the villains weren't novel? They weren't it, original. It could be that, and there was also the the, like, I, I as I was watching it, they almost had a similar introduction to the villain that Lord of the Rings had with the battle at the beginning of the Fellowship, yeah. but it was much more abbreviated. And so I wonder if, if they had given a bit more of an extensive explanation to the origin of the Dark Elves, if maybe they would have been a more mm-hmm. compelling villain. Mm-hmm. Although I think, I think, I think, uh, I forget if his name is Christopher Ellison, who he also played a doctor. Eccleston. Who. Yeah. I thought he did a fantastic job though. Yeah. I think he himself was a decent villain. I think maybe he was not written as good as he could have been. But I mean, the fact is, we get the story with the ether, and we get to see, we get to, we just, Natalie Portman gets more to do in this movie too, because in the first movie, all she was doing basically was fawning over yeah. Thor. She's actually giving something to do. Um, but uh, I mean, I can understand some of the criticism, but I don't think it deserves all the negativity that it gets. Yeah, because there's still a lot of parts in it that are that are really good. Yeah, I liked it. I I've always kind of 
felt like that was a unique position to hold to like Thor too so much. But see, for those of you who are are listening on the podcast and not looking at the video, we are talking about Thor: The Dark World, and Dan has been yawning off and on about. (laughs) Oh come on! (laughs) (laughs) Subconsciously, Dan knows. (laughs) Do you not like it? Well, it's not my favorite, but um, it's not it. It's not anywhere. It's it's a lower middle end movie. For I, me. I forgive you, Jeremy. But for people to say that it's worse <laughs> than The Incredible Hulk is totally unwarranted. Oh mm. yeah, right, right. The inconsistency of The Incredible Hulk connected to the grander scheme of it is just exactly. Right. I think we're all in agreement. Now I'm that, really that... yawning now that we're talking about Hulk. <laughs> I, I think we're all in agreement with the worst one. It's Incredible Hulk. I think we all agree with that one. <laughs> That's universal. Yeah, um, I guess so. I guess. Did you is. did you have a third question for us, Mike? Or yeah, did you... I'm gonna ask. Question, I'm gonna Mike. ask this question, and it's 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 kind of a it's a hard question. But where do you see where do you see the MCU going, and how long do you think it's gonna hold its quality? What I'm looking for. Yeah, how long is it gonna hold its quality? How long is the audience really gonna? Stay with it before it gets. Me personally, I could be done now. I kind of felt that way too. I'm excited for Spider Man. I'm excited for Multiverse. I'm not excited to see all the characters and story arcs I love get drugged through (laughs) trying to make a ton of money. Yeah, I, I. In the long run, I don't trust Disney, I guess, with the ip and i i could be i could be done i've even thought like for some reason i bought all of these um and i'm like i i i could stop i think yeah i i will be curious i i think i'll be better equipped to make a judgment after i see the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, because yeah. I, th- I think that if there's anything that can preserve the quality, it's giving the script writers more time to develop the stories. True. Because um, they're, I, 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 I think Dan's right. I think that they're going to do what makes them money. And um, I think that might draw the quality of the full length features down. Well, and they're um, already exploding into so much content. Right. I don't know. I, I just think, feel like they can't sustain that. Yeah. It's almost I like think a shotgun. They're, doing, like they're just trying to see what hits. <laughs> yeah. They're doing too much yeah. too soon. And they're they're not they're not taking the chance of uh, one thing hitting. They want multiple things to hit. I think the future of the MCU should be in standalone films that don't I, I think the Avengers as a whole thing could be done and they don't need a separate team of Avengers anymore. Like I don't, I think team ups is going to be a thing of the past or it mm-hmm. should be. And yeah, we should so focus on standalone films and the occasional meetup with another superhero in their movie. Yeah. I think you're right, Jeremy. I, you know, it's funny because mm-hmm. my, my three-year-old's been watching speed racer mm-hmm. uh, with me, this old 1960s cartoon. Mm-hmm. And the um the 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 hype behind the episodes um gets higher as the as they get to like episodes where there's like part one part two and Mm -hmm. then part three 
like the the longer these storylines go that they just have to they have to keep building and i feel like when you get to a place where marvel is now where they they spent i mean I don't even know how many movies, but however many many movies there are to build this last storyline up to its finish. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I, I just don't know how you sustain that level of connect. I don't know. I, I just don't know how you sustain. So that Jason said in the chat, if they do Secret Wars, he'd be in. Um, and I guess that's a storyline where this thing called the Beyonder transports them to a a battle world where they have to fight one another mm-hmm. um huh. that, that would be cool fun. like kind of an expose of powers and Super personalities <laughs> yeah just yeah. just like a, a self-awareness kind of a meta feel mm-hmm. i it's funny i i love i remember being excited that superhero movies were finally getting the attention and the funding to make mm-hmm. really cool movies um like remember rocketeer the really old school movie mm-hmm. um and then they had like the phantom i think was the guy with the purple suit that like mm-hmm. passed his thing on i remember being a little bit excited about zorro even so i've always mm-hmm. loved the idea of these mythological superheroes mm. but yeah but again i i don't know i just think there's part of me too that's nervous that they'll just want to crank out more and more and more to make more money and i just won't be interested as i am well jason's right on here too he says you know fantastic four is gonna be a breaking point and and i think that it is along with how they're going to bring x-men to because here it is. Once Spider-Man's done and Thor's done, we're going to lose some of our legacy characters. And we're going to start... Fantastic Four and, and, and X-Men are going to be the only ones really that are legacy left that are going to be resonate right. with an audience. And I think Fantastic Four makes people nervous because they shit the bed twice with that already. Yeah. And then with Three X-Men... Three times, but the one was hidden. Yeah. yeah. Then X-Men, they rated X-Men fairly well. Mm-hmm. And... Now, how are they going to duplicate a lot of that same success? How are yeah. they going to cast, right? Because they casted very well, not only with the, the Hugh Jackman universe, but even the first class universe. Yeah, I And agree. now we've reached a point now where, like, who are we going to get to play Wolverine that's going to be as good as Hugh Jackman? How are they going to find it? Um, even, even your Cyclops and, and, and your... Um, you know who King could do Wolverine? Who? Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> Oh no! I don't know why, uh, but I just feel like he could do an okay Wolverine. Yeah, maybe. But do you yeah, think that is he, the do you think he has the acting, uh, you know, range to do that? I no. mean, you were complaining about nope. no, but he. But so nope. here's what I want. I, I feel like DC has explored and realized dark just isn't working. The surrealist dark presentation is not working. Or I'm sorry, the hyper-realistic dark isn't working. Marvel balanced, teetered in that fantastical, um, you know, got mature, played with a little bit of meta. I think what we need now is totally self-aware, almost parody comic book representations i would love to see them play with things like 
visuals like into the spider-verse the way that it was aware of it being comic and kind of drew on the screen and i realize it's an animated film but i want to see something unique now i'm done Mm -hmm. just churning out storylines i feel like we've reached a natural conclusion and already i felt like far from home felt a little bit stale and so i want to see something that's unique and maybe maybe we've tapped out the superhero genre for a little bit at least in the mainstream that is the biggest problem with 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 i think hollywood too is that sometimes they they go too far they 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 drag things out to the point where they become so awful that they just absolutely kill something where if they knew how to end something at the right time they could bring Mm -hmm. something out again to kind of maybe bring back interest but when you when you basically bury something so far deep in the ground it's almost near impossible to bring it back up without completely reinventing it and i think that like the christopher nolan batman movies they they reinvented the superhero genre they they basically are part of the reason why marvel movies happened because think about it before christopher nolan's batman films what serious comic book movies did you really have that really resonated with audiences spider-man that's maybe about it Spider-Man's a good case in point. Um, but other than that, look at that. That's really it. There was nothing else before. The Batman movies had gone stale before that because they made two cheesy movies after the two serious Burton movies. Mm. And then we had, like you said, The Phantom with Billy Zane that was like in the late 90s. It was campy, but it fit the comic book narrative. Yeah, but it wasn't- and I like <laughs> the uh, folklorish feel to it. Right. But um, that's the problem here is that they had to reinvent the genre in order to make it good. And they've done this now for, I don't know, 15, 20 years now. Maybe a separate podcast, but why is DC so bad at it? Why can they get TV right, but they can't get their movies right? Yeah, why are they so good in video games and animated series, mm-hmm. but they just suck at movies? Well, I think the big difference is that you have Kevin Feige running Marvel. He's running everything. He's the brainchild of, of what they're doing. And DC does not have that. They thought they had it with Zack Snyder. But when Man of Steel was just mediocrely received, and then, yeah. and then Batman vs Superman came out and people criticized for being a god-awful mess, all of a sudden they realized, well, Zack Snyder's not our guy. So... Now they don't know who to turn to, and they still can't figure out who to, who to run DC. Chris says Ben Affleck, Daredevil. Well, oh my da- gosh. Remember the scene in that movie where he can see because it's raining, and yeah. she puts up her <laughs> umbrella so she, he can't see her anymore? Yeah. Oh, God. Ben Affleck's Batman actually was ballsy enough to go dark. And if you watch the director's cut, which is so much better than the theatrical cut, it's darker, it's bloodier, it's grittier. It's a oh, version really? they should have released. Um, I I don't mind Ben Affleck's Daredevil as much as as thing that the director's cut makes it a lot better. Trust me. If if, if you want to rewatch the movie, watch the director's cut. You will think better of the movie if you watch it. Yeah. But um, it's almost sad they didn't continue that because they really they tried to launch that franchise by making Electra with Jennifer Garner, which was kind of an offbeat sequel where she sure. actually survived, and that movie was very well poor, uh, very poorly received and. I'll be honest, the movie just wasn't that good. You know what I think maybe indirectly helped build the superhero genre? Sin City and 300. I think the movieification, is that a word? Of graphic novels was 
the, I mean, those were two of my favorite movies mm-hmm. coming right out of high school into college. Those are good. Those are good. I mean, those are, again, those are comic book based yeah. movies, graphic novel based movies that were done well. And Watchmen being another one too. I mean, mm-hmm. it was very well developed from the graphic novel. Yeah. Um, but those are one-offs, you know, and, and. Plus and I D- love noir. Yeah. DC has handled the one-offs pretty well for the most part. It's when they start getting into deep into their archive, like Batman and Superman, where they just, they have so much source material, but they don't know how to handle it properly. I also think they want more out of it than the franchise is ready to give. I mean, think about how slow building Avengers was. I remember when Avengers, when the concept of a multiple hero crossover continuity movie was just a rumor. Like, Mm -hmm. like, I guess maybe movie press, I wasn't as tuned into it or it wasn't as big or the internet, who knows? Mm -hmm. But you'd be like, oh, there might be an Avengers movie. We saw it at the end of this movie after the credits. And there was just Mm -hmm. this mysterious nature to it. But now DC missed that train and they keep trying to fabricate it, but it's not the same. What DC is doing is they're trying it too quickly. Yeah. They're they're tryhards. They're like, hey, look at all these characters having fun together. They're like, <laughs> who are these people? We don't. Well, mm-hmm. right. We're handle Justice League. I mean, we got Justice League after only two DC movies: Man of Steel and Batman vs Superman. Right. You can't do that. I mean, you're you're throwing characters into Justice League that you haven't even developed in their own film yet, giving them no character development whatsoever. You, you, that's not how you do it. And obviously, they didn't pay attention to Marvel's uh, a plan on how they did things. They just thought, oh. Well, there's Avengers out already, so now we got to put out our own real fast. And that's yeah. why it was poorly received. And they just don't understand it because they have nobody running things. They have they have no cohesive yeah. plan in place. Well, and like Jason said in the chat, if DC did their animate, if DC had their animated team doing live action, they'd be fine. And I that's what agree. perplexes me is their animated series, their animated movies, their video games, all their media is top-notch except their movies. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I think his name is Jeff Johns. He, he writes a lot of the DC comics, and he's been responsible for helping run a lot of the DC TV shows and the animated stuff. I don't know why he's not involved more with the film universe, because he knows the comic universe, so he would stay faithful if he were running things. That's your guy. It's right in front of you, so why aren't you embracing it and running with it? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah the future only knows that's true so i guess now the biggest question now that marvel is now over guys um what's next because mando mandalorian i I think so um it seems obvious mandalorian mandalorian's next along with that uh that controversial solo podcast has got you know what we should do okay what if we experiment with the genre of our podcast that you can play alongside the media. What if we group watch Mandalorian Mm -hmm. and talk as we watch? That's not a bad idea. Like what we can do is I can screen share it in the middle of the screen and we can have the first episode on, for instance, just playing. Now now would would copyright nail us? That's that's the, that's the thing you'd have to look into. Yeah. um, I think uh, like if it's audio podcast, you're not actually going to see that. So it wouldn't be an issue. Um, if we're streaming it live, 
I'd have to look into it. It should be okay as long as you know we're not, of course, making money or. I'd be fine on if, it. like, but, we we kicked it off and then took the video off the stream, but mm-hmm. we all were watching separately. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. good. Yeah. I just think it'd be fun if, when you were listening, you could have the episode on. And I think Idea. with Disney Plus, you can actually do watch parties. Oh, there dang. you go. Yeah, so we're no. completely in sync with each other. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I think that might be fun to try out. Okay. Also, I just I like think that. there's so much to Mandalorian. Oh, there's there so much to dive into. Yeah. And I think we're going to have to do it by season because they're just two different types of seasons. And there'd be a yeah. lot to talk about. In I think we thing. should do it by episode. Ooh. Just start watch. Like I said, just start watching. And each each podcast episode will be the length of a Mandalorian episode, maybe with a brief intro and outro. And we just start. Okay. Hey, you know what? Let's try it. We haven't done TV. (laughs) So let's, let's try something. Let's do it. Let's do it. Oh yeah. What out? What? what? You just, yeah. (laughs) What? (laughs) Just just being me. Are you adding another it's sticky moment to the finale? Uh, <laughs> oh man. Uh, yeah, and I th- I think it would be cool because I think we are tackling so much content always that we it obviously takes us a lot of time to sift through. It does. We mm-hmm. might we might produce more bite-sized podcast so mm-hmm. that someone who doesn't want to sit down and listen to us talk for 3 hours. hours. Yeah, <laughs> <That's> yeah. <true. laughs> true and and thing of it is too is like the long the long podcasts like this are kind of reserved for like what we just did like marvel mm-hmm. or star yeah. wars or like lord of the rings yeah. or yeah. the matrix being the other one that's that's something that I, deserves a long one well and i also wonder if we should do two matrix podcasts the first one on just the first movie and i agree and then do the sequels and the as second one. one can take the sequels mm-hmm. yeah and then we have to come back to do the fourth eventually whenever that comes out next year. Yeah. Wait, there's another Matrix coming out? Oh, yeah. yeah. What, yeah. Do they, what do they... Is it a prequel? I hope it's not a sequel. No, it's a sequel and Neo <laughs> Infinity are sequel? back. It's a sequel. Yes. Oh, yes. no way. I, yeah. I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. I always said Neo was alive, damn it. Now I'm right. It just yeah. had such a perfect ending. I'm. Uh, oh, my gosh. Kendall just said Oceans. I would love to do the Oceans movie. Ooh, Oceans is interesting. I Oceans love those is films. great. Also, I'm on a quest to get my wife to love Brad Pitt. <laughs> oh, my God. Because I love Brad Pitt, and she's just not as into his movies as I am. Okay, I'm going to ask you one question. Like Brad Pitt, do you like World War Z? Yes. Thank you. Okay, good. I oh, like perfect. World War Z. I like Fight Club. I like his little cameo in that movie about Amish people with Ron Perlman. Oh my God. Yeah. I forgot about that cameo. <laughs> that was so random. That was like his first movie, but uh, yeah, I just like Brad Pitt. I like the movies he's in, especially oceans. Oceans yeah. is such a good movie. Oceans is really good. Born, she said born too. born movies are interesting too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a I'm lot, a there's huge a lot fan too. of the, uh, hyper skilled sleeper cell movies. Those are great. I'm waiting for a Splinter Cell movie. That's what I'm waiting for. Because Ooh. those would be that, So that's what I was going to say when we were talking about the future of MCU. I am intrigued and a little bit hopeful 
that we're finally getting to an era of video game movies that don't suck. Hmm. I think Resident yeah. Evil is a perfect example of movies that were, I think they were good. I thought they were too. Um, but like Halo media has been a big miss. Hmm. Um, well, there is a TV show coming out on Showtime about Halo finally. Yeah. Oh. So that's but even the Reach series, and I heard Microsoft bailed on a Halo movie a long time ago, but Witcher, I thought, was handled mm-hmm. really well. Witcher mm-hmm. was done well, mm-hmm. um, and I think video games are getting treated more and more like movies mm-hmm. yeah, in terms agreed. of the story games, and so let's see some video game. I, I agree. Like, like the newest stuff. Tomb Raider movie uh, was very faithful to the new rebooted game, and I liked how they duplicated a lot of scenes that were reminiscent of the game cinematics and yeah. i thought that was actually really well done because they stayed faithful to the material and i'd love to see a final fantasy 10 i know it'll yeah. never happen there you but go. i love yeah. final fantasy 10 see i i like i love to do a podcast with about the resident evils because i like those movies i thought those be, i think those are interesting too but um yeah, I mean, there's oh, yeah. a lot of stuff to cover, but Mandalorian, I think definitely, yeah, we got to cover that because that's the it thing right now, and everybody. So does it, this so. does this end our Marvel podcasts? It does. It does. Blow for the now. candle out to for end now. Marvel for now. <laughs> and scene. <laughs> <laughs> Cut. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Uh, hopefully, we'll come back to Phase Four down the line. Hopefully, it's as interesting as one of these phases, but. Other than Spider-Man and Doctor Strange, I don't know how hopeful I am of that. So let's hope I'm wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, guys. Well, thank you for everybody joining us, all three of you, and then an audience as well. Um, And we hope to see you all for The Mandalorian, because I know we're all excited for that. (laughs) Thanks. All right, guys. Until next time. Until next time.